sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Y'all are going to make me lose my mind as we put the fun in functional sports content. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And we bring in another friend of the show that we haven't spoken to in a little while. It's Tom Bogart. We bring him in to talk MLS, to talk a little bit of football. He joined us a bunch of times over the summer during the MLS's back tournament to help us make sense of that. Happy Thanksgiving, Tom. Long time no talk. What's going on, fellas? Happy Thanksgiving. Hope the holidays went well. How are we doing? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. Let me ask you something. We're in the MLS playoffs right now. And honestly, Tom, we've seen some upsets, right? Nashville over Toronto, New England getting past Orlando in the Eastern Conference. I think you remember that when uh, we were talking about soccer games and stuff. I was always a fan of betting the draw in the triple money line, right? And I do want to explain to people, usually the MLS playoffs, right, is a two-leg thing, the home and away, the aggregate. That is not the case this year. So, for example, Tom, I saw the Nashville-Toronto game. It was clear they were just going to put 11 people behind the ball, try to get beyond 90 minutes, try to maybe sneak one out. They did, but if not, just go to the shootouts, I'm trying. I'm not trying to be silly. Does the format lend itself to more 90-minute draws? So that that game would be different, I guess. I, I understand your point, and I don't want to outright say it's wrong, but you know, because no, that no, game, you can, you, you can say like I'm wrong. It's fine. No, no, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that there, this lends itself to a lot more, you know, drama and action than the two-legged series. That at least when it came to MLS, um, in the sense that that first leg of the two legs was usually so boring and like both teams were pretty much setting up not to lose the the aggregate score and particularly the away team were just content to hopefully grab an away goal if not grab a draw and just oh, we'll win it at home and it'll be okay so um I, th- this format is much better than that one but just because it's 90 minutes instead of 180 it's and there's no you know away goal tiebreakers it's easier for the game to get an extra time and when it came to Nashville Toronto Nashville set up like that because that's kind of how they set up all season long. And, you know, their coaches has hit back pretty hard. It's like, oh, we don't park the bus. We're not, you know, we're just good defensively. We're not, we're like not boring or whatever. But, you know, and and it worked out for them because not only did they advance, but they carved out all the good chances. Uh, Toronto had one early, but towards after that, it was all Nashville by way of like quality chances. So, you know, can't knock it, but, but I don't think that we see many. You know, outside of the national games, because they they brought nil nil to uh, extra right. time against Columbus as well. But outside of that, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't you know follow that one. Okay. So, Tom, as this all develops and we're starting to kind of break these teams down and try and figure out how much form from that MLS's back tournament to that into the regular season and now into the MLS Cup matters. There's been some results that I look at on their surface. Now, this is my fault for kind of stepping away from the MLS. But I saw the Seattle Sounders as big favorites to beat LAFC. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then they beat LAFC, no problem. And then the Seattle Sounders get involved against FC Dallas yesterday, and they win that match 1-0. And we were looking a little bit at the futures market, Dane, yesterday to figure out who might have some value 
to win this entire MLS back is tournament, a market that the Seattle Sounders checked in and at, a, at about plus 340 as we welcome in our radio audience here, the early line, Kevin Walsh, Dane Martinez, talking to Tom Boger, breaking down the MLS Cup right now. So, Tom, I'm curious, as you watch the Sounders who would advance to another round, does this team feel live to win the whole thing? If, if, I, if I was on before the playoffs, I mean, there's no way for me to prove this, but I would have probably tipped Seattle as – the best value slash less, um, best best kind of pick just because they were a popular team to win it all. They, they weren't the outright favorite heading into the playoffs just because, you know, Philly and Toronto, I, I think were, if I remember the lines correctly, because, you know, they were yeah, the two high point totals. But there were questions around Philly about whether their brand of soccer was going to lend itself to a good playoff run. And two, like the normal, hey, they haven't been there before. We have to see them earn it before we're going to, you know, believe that they're going to win it. But, you know, Seattle's, a tried and tested, um, you know, dynasty, honestly, um, MLS Cup champion a few mm-hmm. times in the past few years. And, and, you know, they're always one of the best teams in the league. And when it comes to the playoffs, and again, the, the, <laughs> I wish I had better analysis than your best players have to play really good. But Seattle have, mm-hmm. you know, three absolute stars when it comes in, in the attack and all across the field. So, um, yeah, it, it seems easy for me to say it now, but I probably would have tipped Seattle as a good value bet. And particularly because against LAFC, the reason why they were favorite is because LAFC were without four starters because of COVID, um, wow. one of which, or two of I which were it. designated players, and one of those two guys was the league's leading scorer. So they were without four starters going at Seattle, who, again, I think was the favorite coming into the playoffs. So um, that would have been a, a great value play to get yeah. them before they played LAFC. We only got a minute until break, and I want to ask you this. Maybe we'll pick it up on the other side. But, you know, the final four will be complete after tomorrow's matchup against Sporting KC, the one seed in the West against Minnesota United. Talk to me about how you start to see this one. And I apologize in advance if I have to cut you off to pay some bills. Uh, It's all good. Um, I I, I would lean SKC, but because it's MLS and there's so much chaos and it just feels like we're due for another upset, like – and part of me thinks, yeah, you know, maybe Minnesota's going to get by for no other reason than that it's MLS and it feels like it, an upset is due. So, I don't know, maybe this would be a one where you, where you kind of uh, play the draw and, and hope to see it get the extra time. <laughs> I just had an expert I trust recommend the draw in this game. That's all I need when we come back on the other side of the break. We're going to talk to Tom a little bit more about MLS, and we'll go across the pond. You may have noticed he's got a Liverpool Cup. They're in the news as well. We'll talk about it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. It could be mid-major college basketball. It could be soccer. It doesn't matter. We give you the edge on SportsGrid, and so that's why we have our friend of the show, Tom Bogart, with us, talking a little bit about the MLS playoffs. So you've mentioned Seattle kind of as a team you like. You talked about KC and Minnesota and kind of the upsets reigning supreme here in 2020. Let's look at the Eastern Conference Final, which is going to happen later on 
this week. The eight seed New England Revolution get in, and the Columbus crew have gotten through as well. Who do you think wins the East and ultimately is playing for the MLS Cup? So, yeah, this, this one's a really interesting one because, I, as you said, the New England Revolution are the eighth seed, but they're kind of like um, a fake eighth seed, if, if I could, you know, go into that route, just because they were without their best player for most of this season. And just, uh, you know, look at some of these teams that they've upset, you know, Philly and, and, and Orlando, they are so much better when they, you know, obviously when they have their best player. And not just because... He's a really good player because he is, but he's one of those dudes that makes everyone around him better. So the fact is, if they had him for the whole season, they wouldn't. They would be closer to Columbus at, at the three seed than they would have been, you know, towards the eight seed. I think they would have been probably fourth or fifth, you know, somewhere around Orlando, New York City FC. So um, they've kind of gotten through, which, which has been cool because it is. They are actually an underdog. You know, they they were they they should have been dogs against you know Philly. They they were pretty even, I'd say, against Orlando. So I think here's would be another place for some good value to kind of take you know, New England either to advance or New England plus a half or, or whatever here. Because, again, they, they have they have some of these stars that, that are, are incredible and, and they're in great form. So this dude, Carlos Hill, comes back from an Achilles injury that was supposed to keep him out four-ish months, and he came back in two months and not only was you know able to play, he was, like, at 100%, like, match sharpness and form immediately. It's, like, been pretty impressive to watch. Um, and Columbus are a very, very good team, and they're very good at home for whatever that means in 2020 with, I think they have 1,200 fans allowed in the stadium, um, even as cases are spiking in Ohio and cases are spiking in their locker room. They um, they were without seven players in their last playoff game uh, against Nashville. Wow. Um, and, and thankfully, they just got lucky that it was only one of them was a starter. But, but yeah, I think that New England represents some good value here because, um, one, it's root for chaos when it comes to the Major League Soccer playoffs. And, and two, you know, they're... You know, plus 320 um, to get to 90 minutes is, is a huge number for them. But, again, I'd, I'd play it safer and, and, you know, depending on the value for whatever plus a half is or, you know, maybe just to advance uh, would be some, some decent numbers there. So, Tom, as we move off the MLS, Dane can't help but chuckle when he sees your Liverpool mug because yeah. he knows that Liverpool ruined my weekend at around 9.25 this past Saturday. Now, it quite possibly could have ruined yours as well. Had him to win. We all know the stupid draw can ruin everything. And we get a VAR review. I love that they went to the ref who's working the game who goes, yeah, there's no way they overturn this. It would be criminal if they did. So they overturn it. We get the penalty. It was the second of the game. They weren't going to miss two. We lose. It was a draw in regulation. And it was miserable. And it was the type of thing that I sat there thinking that VAR needs to now be completely removed from the game. I know I'm overreacting in the moment, but I was genuinely interested, Tom, once I got over the absolute heartbreak of losing that bet, that the way they were talking about that decision, there seems to be an issue, from what I hear from them, running through the Premier League right now as it pertains to how VAR is being used. Are you seeing that? Or potentially was it maybe a Liverpool commentary booth that I was listening to who was a little bit frustrated by a decision? Oh, man, uh, anti-VAR. You guys got 45 minutes for me to stick around? I, I could do <laughs> and, and again, and this is unfortunate timing because I'm sitting here with my Liverpool mug. You guys are just going to be yeah. like, oh, whatever. 
mad that Liverpool were at the wrong end of that. But I try to be like, whenever these things happen in favor of Liverpool, I try to get on Twitter, you know, buy some goodwill and be like, no, this, I, I think that this yeah. is still a bad call, even though my team benefited. Um, and again, it's not even like, I think it was a bad call, but it's, it's not even about the micro decision. It's about the macro like, what are we doing? Why are we stopping the game for, you know, this minutia? Like, like the uh, NFL goes to replay too much, and it takes too long. Um, the, the NBA, mm-hmm. at the end of the game, goes to replay way too much, and it takes way too long. Like, any, yeah, any time that the ball kind of might have, like, 1% chance we got the call wrong, they're going to go check it out, and then it gets everybody yep. a timeout in the game. Uh, soccer, and, and, and basketball and NFL shouldn't be like that either, but soccer in particular is not like that. Why are we giving more uh, more influence to people behind computer screens? Why are we giving the referees more to do? Why are we giving? Why are we over, you know, beautifying everything? Why are we taking out a, a protractor and a ruler to try to uh, figure out, you know, what blade of gra- grass this guy was oh on? Oh my well, gosh, the most solid all sides thing. Why that are we was, getting? I'm into- sorry to- no, what go are we doing go here, ahead. though? Like they're they're moving it around the y axis and the x axis. Like I didn't have. I was like, what? Am I watching a sport or is this a science project? What is going on? That bothers me so much. And when? Why are we getting into philosophical debates about where the shoulder ends and the arm begins? What? How can you so if they claim that that's one hundred percent to the millimeter correct uh, for offside? How can you tell me that the still is exactly the moment that the ball leaves the player's foot? How can you tell me that with 100% certainty? People who argue yeah. for this say that offsides is black or white. You can't be a little bit offsides. You can't be a little bit pregnant. And I just say, oh, cool chirp. Like, you, you must have looked in the mirror and practiced that line a couple times. Yes, it, it is. It's not clear and obvious. And, and again, going back to the, the PK against Liverpool, one of the things that bothered me, and you can't write this as a, as a law, because I'm a, I'm a spirit of the law guy, not letter of the law, but I, I get that you have to be letter of the law. If the attacking player isn't complaining for a penalty, it's not a penalty. Attackers complain yeah. for everything, and that dude didn't even fall. He didn't complain. No. How is How are we yeah. going back? Like, we're, we're creating true. problems that weren't there, and it just bothers me so much. Like, I want less reps in my sports. I want less protractors and Y-axis and X-axis. I want less stoppages. And, like, VAR, all it serves to do is – create more stoppages and like the ones that are actually clear and obvious it's cool when it comes in but that happens like one every eight times we go to var they're just using it way too much hey tom you know what i do agree with you could usually tell by the reaction of the player itself right they know if they committed the foul they know if the ball was off them or not so i hear that you know there was a surprising result in champions league yesterday Shakhtar donsk beat um you know, Real Madrid, and now they have taken six points off them in the group stage. And I want to ask you about Real Madrid. There was a lot of people saying that they're kind of falling off a little bit. You know, Ronaldo's not there. And I even heard that part of it is, you know, maybe financially with all the stuff of COVID, they may not be able to, you know, keep some of their best talent and some of their best players. Are the financial walls closing in on any of the best clubs in Europe because of the revenue and COVID? Might we see more player movement and loans and and other teams not being able to keep up in Europe? So all the people I've talked to on this, whether it's, you know, agents in Europe or, or you know, MLS GMs that have connections in Europe or, or whoever, um, the, the general consensus is, is that COVID and the financials are going to affect, you know, everybody but, say, the top 5%. And that's not to say that clubs okay. like Real Madrid and Barcelona and Liverpool and Manchester United are not affected. 
but they're huh. it, it's hardest felt. But a DP a on some kind of mid-tier team, a Europa kind of team, right? Their yeah. best players and DPs. We might not be able to keep them, and the rich may get richer. Um, maybe not rich get richer because it, it it is a buyer's market for like if Chelsea went out and spent a crap ton of money because the, yeah. their Russian oligarch owner, you know, right. pandemic can't affect them. Um, but you know, again, it, it, it it's more. Like there's one club in Spain, the second division club in Spain, Malaga. They they legitimately released every single player on the first team roster. Like that's not like that's, again. It's, it's not to say that Real Madrid aren't aren't going to be uh, impacted by this. Um, and maybe they they come back down to earth when it comes to spending because these are one of the teams that spend insanely lavishly. Like they right not just with transfer fees, but the contracts that they, that they give out are you know mm. honestly unsustainable. I, I don't know how these clubs are able to do it and. They were trying to get rid of Gareth Bale all summer, right. and, and it made That's sense. That's definitely something interesting. Definitely something interesting to watch. Thanks for coming back. We'll have you back again. Talk more MLS players. And do us a favor. Tell Mello that we said happy Thanksgiving as well. Thanks for spending <laughs> a couple of minutes with us right here on the early line. We'll talk to you soon, Tom. Thanks for having me, Thanks, Tom. Thank you. More early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. We give Cam Stewart a little bit of a break now that the Masters have passed, but you see you could still do a little bit fading Ricky Fowler in this week's golf tournament. But, Kev, we've arrived to a game that, you know, was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving, then on Sunday, then yesterday, and now today, but not at night because we got to light a tree. So at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time today in Pittsburgh, the Baltimore Ravens, or at least some of them, will be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got to tell you something, though, Kev. I don't know if you saw this, but the Ravens had two more positives in their organization yesterday. One player and a staff member, yet the plane is taking off. As far as I know, this game is going to happen. But don't worry, Kev. The NFL is exercising an abundance of caution with this game. Uh, It's happening, Kev. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, right now, as far as those two positives yesterday, apparently they were aware of those positives going into sure. it. <laughs> Honestly, I I don't know. I don't know what to say. They're they look. They want the game over with. We know that. Yeah. We've known that for a long time. They have done everything in their power to push this back to get to a point where they believe. It is as safe as possible while still achieving the main goal, which is playing the game. And I think I think that's really what we're dealing with here. Uh, you know, we've talked about what is the NFL. Right, but then acknowledge one. the main goal is to get 256 into 17 weeks. That's the main yeah. goal. No, it is. It, it is. I mean, at this point, if you're not aware of that, though, I don't know what else we can, we can even – like, that's obviously the goal. And I will say it's – the thing about this that has continued to be – surprising is we've talked a little bit yesterday about the main goal being the TV contracts, but Mm -hmm. that, that does not take precedent over, as you just said right there, 256 in 17, because for the TV contracts, Hey, here's week 18 tons of money. Who wants what game? I mean, like now 
But I think they know that there would have just been so many nightmares. Because you know what, Dane? And as we kind of just are talking through this right now, the Steelers would have two Week 18 games scheduled. And that's probably <laughs> why they wanted to avoid Week 18. Because then they would have had to do I'm not going to get into the mind of the NFL at this point. Let's talk about what we think we will see on the field this afternoon. I mean, it's a ten and a half point spread. And Kev, one of the other things we've talked about in this COVID season, right, is like, how do we evaluate this? How do we evaluate a team that's down and that an offensive line couldn't practice all week or a Niners team that has no wide receivers or a Broncos team that has no quarterbacks? So let's get over all of that. Okay, you know the way I feel. We know the way you feel about this. This game is happening, right? With whatever rosters the Ravens and the Steelers have. And remember, James Conner's not there for the Steelers either. The Ravens running backs were out, now are in. You know, uh, we've got defensive players left and right for the Raven. Of course, RG3 will be starting as quarterback. Put it all in a hat, Kev. And is this version of the Steelers more than 10 and a half points better than this version of the Ravens? What do you think? So it's it's certainly important to say right now at Fandle the hook has disappeared. So Ooh, some buyback a, a little bit here. A flat ten, a flat okay. 10 is, is available right now. Uh and the total has come up to a flat forty two. So some overnight okay. movement on these lines. Okay. Are the Steelers ten points better huh, than the Ravens? I you know, Dane, Led I by RG in this, that's the thing is I can't even believe I have to say this, but like, how I know you're better... going to say, can RG three deliver the ball outside the numbers better than Lamar Jackson? I mean, it's not even about outside the numbers. It's just like, can he do what Lamar was doing? We still have of Lamar. Like, right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Kind of like, here's the deal, right? RG threes over under passing yards is one sixty five and a half. Lamar wasn't okay. blowing through that number on a regular basis. Like that number looks hilariously low, right? It's not Hinton, but it's Taysom Hill, right? But realistically, <laughs> oh god, what a guy! I mean, this guy gets me eighty yards in a game. They're down ten nothing, and they win. I don't even understand. I'm just saying, it's like the passing league. But if you look at box scores, right? There's a lot of quarterbacks that don't get to two hundred anymore. You know, in a lot of games, yeah. it happens. I'm I'm augmenting your case that RG three may be able to, like, you know, be yeah. serviceable. RG three also beat this team last year but that is also kind of fascinating the Steelers have two great examples to work off of obviously you always will go through this year's matchup but you and your defense played RG3 in this offense last season so you can go through what did and did not work in that game the Ravens were actually dogs in that yeah. game and they ended up winning outright and the Steelers kind of needed right, the game nothing the to Ravens play for were, and stuff right, right. But the Ravens were just that good last year. That RG3. St- and that was like, I know the Steelers couldn't move the football on the, but like the Steelers defense was better last year. Not to slight this year's unit, but last year's unit closed the season as like the best in football. And RG3 still beat that team. So getting 10 points, I feel like that's where you would want to go. Here's for me the caveat. And I think you may end up disagreeing, but to me, if Pittsburgh has the chance to blow out Baltimore, I think they go for it. I think foot on throat would be an ideal outcome for Pittsburgh because they clearly hate this Ravens team. This rivalry has always been there, right? But at the end of the day, 
we dap up, we hug after the games. It's the players. It's all good, and I have no issues with that. These two teams for this year, the the you know the 2020 Steelers and the 2020 Ravens have issues. I always allude to that video in the post game in the locker room where the Steelers are playing that song, "Walk in Your Trap, Take Over Your Trap." I mean, they are dancing on the grave of the Ravens winning that football game, and then Juju is tweeting out how they pulled their primetime game from them. You know, the Steelers right. are a team that it fits a description more similar to the 49ers, where they would have had some people missing the game because of COVID, but not enough to shut the game down. I mean, the Steelers are the team that's just been dragged around and around and yeah. around to end up here Titans, Wednesday yeah. at 340. So that's kind of what I'm battling with here. A lot of times... So you're laying say, the 10. So you're laying the 10 because you think the Steelers might put their foot on the throat of the Ravens. That's what I heard. Well, I'm battling with it. I'm battling with it because I think (laughs) the Ravens, I think the Ravens could conceivably keep it close. But you know how we talk, oh, the back door could be open when you get 10. I need the Ravens to be competitive start to finish, I think, to cover this number because I don't think Pittsburgh lets up. I almost want to just take six and a half in the first half. Boy, I'd love if that was a full seven. But I like that might There's be plenty a little alternate bit. lines. Yeah, plenty alternate well, not, lines. I, I look right now. I think I have to take the ten points. I don't love it. I don't love it. I think the over yeah. feels a little bit more comfortable, just because okay. this the Ravens have the ability to score with. Do they? I don't know, Dane. I'm lost right now, I feel. That's Gosh. okay, Kev. That's okay. Let me tell you, this. the one part I do disagree with you is the idea of putting your foot on the throat of them. They may want to do that because of the blood rivalry that is Steelers-Ravens, yeah. right? But two things for me. One, we have had a narrative around Pittsburgh playing to the level of their competition. You brought it up against the Giants, against the Broncos, that sort of thing. They didn't even put away the damn Cowboys. You know, they did with Jacksonville, but that's a different story. So to me, I don't know if they kind of boat race anybody. They're compromised a little bit as well with James Conner down. The other part, the reason I don't think they uh, go for it, as it were, Kev, they got a short week. They got a short week next week, right? Like, they got to also – they have been drug around by this on some level. And I think they're going to be like, let's just get in, get the damn W, and hop out. Because in five days, we've got to play the tough front of the Washington football team. There has been so many moving pieces here that I think Tomlin and the Steelers are like, let's just get this over with. Let's get out of Dodge without getting any more injuries. Let's just move on. And so I don't know if they're going to take this as their – opportunity to plant the flag we'll talk about it more kev we'll talk about it more mm-hmm, mm-hmm, on the other mm-hmm. side i want to get your thoughts i want to look at some prop bets as well because some players are down are there opportunities for others Some many snell yeah comes to mind for me but we'll talk about it when we come back right here on the early line Dane and kevin breaking down this game that we think is gonna happen in a mere six hours come on back we're gonna continue to talk about it Early line. I'm out. I I said this last week. This is all playing out exactly how I thought. And so we're going to have this conversation weekly, Dane. 
And I'm just telling you right now, hey, Kevin, has your opinion changed as you watch them route the Atlanta Falcons for the second time in three weeks? No, it hasn't. I'm out on the Bucks, regardless of this performance and the ones that are about to fall. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. Dane and Kevin talking about Ravens Steelers, which we at this moment expect to happen in about seven hours, right? So we do think the kickoff will be going on at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time on NBC, but... There's a hard stop to light the damn tree, Kev. So this game better not go to overtime. We were talking about it before and even over break. I think there's things at play here. You know, Kev, you always want to apply, and I agree with you, the context to wins, losses, and all that stuff, right? And I think you got to apply the context to, like, this game, this rivalry, this matchup, right? Because I think you're right. You know, this was originally supposed to be billed as the prime time game on Thanksgiving night. Ravens, Steelers, oh, man, throw the records out the window, right? And they want to punch each other in the mouth. Now, because of this moving target and, you know, player safety and concerns with players and pushing it back three times already, I wonder, Kev, about the context and if that even supersedes the rivalry because now we're in a place everybody knows we're just trying to get this one in. You know what's funny too, Dane, when it comes to this game? Because there's so many different pieces that we have to factor in, as you just said yeah. right there. I mean, this game's been pretty much playing, being played a week later. There are so many people that are important to this game missing. Not just Lamar, Mark Andrews, defensive pieces for Baltimore, James Conner on the Pittsburgh side. Yeah. That... You know, we're not even able to handicap enough. Baltimore's lost three of four. Like like Baltimore right now is just not playing good football. This is a streak that goes back to that home game against Pittsburgh. And I look at those three games that they lost against Pittsburgh. Lamar turned it over and cost his team the game. Against New England. I don't even know what happened there. I think the Patriots were just the better team on the night ultimately. And against, and, and that's not even, I realized what that sounds like. But I'm being honest. That's just how I viewed that game. And then the Titans game. I mean, yeah, we're, we're viewing whether that's some, some valid analysis. <laughs> but then the Titans game, Dane. I mean, they blew in a, a double-digit lead at home in the third quarter. Like, the Ravens are losing in ways that yeah. they are just not built to lose. They're not supposed to drop those kind of games. They're not playing solid football here. So I think I just Kev, would what rather have I take... been saying? Maybe they're not a tier one or two team this year. Maybe they're not. No, and it it's funny, but this is where we go we go deep into the context, right? In the Pittsburgh game, to me, they were the better team. I In the Titans game, out. to me, they were the better team. But but ultimately, that's where you go. Context versus final result, X, Y, you know, and you kind of try and break it all down. So Baltimore is the one team. People ask me, who do you think is the best chance to beat the Chiefs? And I keep telling people, it's the Ravens if Lamar figured it out, right? But there's no, not only is Lamar not figuring out, things are getting worse. Worse. And this, And this is the worst it's been as they head into this game with really nothing on the docket. 
Yeah. It's just it's such a crazy game you know, to attempt to. What's handicap. interesting also to me, you know, Joe Lisi earlier in the show is wanting to give Ohio State credit for them hanging with Clemson last year. To what extent are we giving the Ravens credit for what they did last year? I think that may right. be something we have to consider. Like, honestly, this year's healthy Ravens on a neutral field with this year's healthy Browns, I'm taking Cleveland right now, I think, which is crazy to say. Remember right? week here's one? Where I want to go. Yes, I do I'm just remember saying, though, like that one. happened this year. I don't it know did. what this Ravens team is. Fair enough. So because it's struggling for us on sides, you mentioned where you want to go on the total. Let me draw your attention to the prop market, Kev, because there's a number of players out, right? And when we look at players that are out, a lot of times that creates opportunities for others, you know. So I, for example, I know James Conner is out. I see Benny Snell at 55 and a half for rushing yards, Kev. I know the Ravens' defense is compromised. I know there's no James Conner. There, I think, is weather potentially in this game as well. My, Unlike you who think they're going to put their foot on the throat of the Ravens, I kind of mm-hmm. think this is hop in, hop out. Regardless, 55 and a half seems low to me for the starting running back yeah. of a good offense, which the Steelers are. I'm intrigued by Benny Snell over rushing yards at 55 and a half a do you like that b are there others that strike your fancy i mean des bryant is going to be active yeah he sure he is uh, i'll tell you this i think your your ace is right there with the benny snell pick because the one thing that we know is they're supposed to be in front and if they're in front they'll there's going to come a point in the game where they should be running the football plus james connor toted the rock 15 times for 47 yards in a negative game script against baltimore that first go around so as long the only worry would be that they're like ravens are out Anthony defensively Marlin. too you know, their run defense has been compromised yeah. derrick henry started against that team as that game i mean as the game goes on that's what he does but benny snell over i love it okay the only worry is like anthony mcfarland, McFarland. gets involved a little too He's much. He's a passing kind of more. He's more the, you know, gadget. Yeah. But Tomlin also has been insane this year. Like, the way that he gets to the three-yard line and then just gives the ball to Benny Snell right. instead of James Conner. Like, so James Con- also, Benny Snell to score is even money. That's not a bad yep. proposition either. James Conner did have a money. rushing touchdown in that yep. first go-around with the Ravens. So I, I think pro-Benny Snell props make okay. a ton of sense. Also, cool. RG3 over 27.5 rushing yards. He rushed for 50 in that first matchup with them to end the season last year. Dane, I don't see any reason why he's not running around for his life as it running is. Running for his life. So yep. over 27.5. Because here's the other thing, Can Dane. I- I just want to make this point quickly, and then I'll see what you have to say. RG3 is at 27.5. Lamar, same in, in this offense as the quarterback, is priced more than double that every single week. So I think that's why I think you're getting a ton of undeniable value on the RG3 over, even if it might be, I already know what you're going to say, even yeah, if you he do. might end up leaving the game. No. I. Oh, <laughs> I thought so, that's where you no. were going. I know that's what you thought, and it's a derivative of that. Because oh. Trace McSorley is also down. Because Lamar is also down. You don't think there's a universe okay. where they get in RG3's ear and are like, no, 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 don't run at all. We can't they risk can't. losing you. Like, don't do like, it, bro. You know what I mean? That's so, like a, for me, you know yeah. check this out, Kev. The over, that might be one thing. I would be more interested in RG3 touchdown at plus 360. 
right? Because mm. maybe they still do it on the two-yard line. There's still a read option. There's still a scramble in the red zone, that kind of thing. I don't think – I think they're going to – RG3 is going to have to be even more conservative because if he goes down – and I'm not wishing that on anybody. I know what you're saying. But mm-hmm. I think it's almost like, no, 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 we need you to finish the game, bro. So, no, we're not going to risk you. Be even more conservative. Slide, bro. Don't do it. I'm worried about that more as the threat to the RG3 rushing prop um, because mm-hmm. they need him. Uh, they even need him next Tuesday. We don't know about the longstanding effects here. And I would go in the more anytime touchdown market than the over rushing yards market as it relates to Bob Griffin. I, I think it's fair, but I think that's a move for the Ravens if their end goal is to cover a point spread and not win a football game. And I don't know. Look, their odds to win this game are not great, but if they take that part piece out of their offense and they go, RG3, you're just going to throw the ball 40 times, that's a disaster. Right? I'm not and, saying and, that, but I'm just saying be conservative, get out of bounds, slide, don't risk it. That's what. Sure, of he no, but and but he can get out of bounds and don't slide. Don't try to extend the six over. yard scramble into twenty five. You know, for the rushing prop, that yeah, sort of thing. I, don't I hear what it, you're saying. Be careful. I would. I will be interested. It's not posted yet on an RG three over under four pass attempts. I, I'd be really interested to see what that number hangs around at. I'll also say this. Hollywood Brown is having one of the letdown seasons of the year, right? I mean, you think about guys that yes. were supposed to maybe possibly pop off. Hollywood yes. Brown was in that group. It's been tough. His over-under receiving yards is 40 and a half. He had three yards against the Steelers in this first matchup. I've never played a prop under, I don't think, in my life, except for maybe like hmm. under one and a half touchdown passes. I actually don't know if I've ever even gotten to the window on one of those. I think I almost did on a Trubisky, and then I didn't, and he threw like three touchdowns against the Cowboys. And I probably should say take the under on Hollywood Brown, but foolishly, I'm going to say he's the type of guy that in one play can get you 41 totally. He can. He absolutely can. The question is, can Rob Griffin the third hit him over yeah. the top? You mentioned some elements of the anytime touchdown market. You mentioned Benny Snell at even money. Ironically, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, the latter two of those who apparently will be active are all yeah. plus 175. I've even heard reports, even though they're active, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get a lot of snaps or a lot of touches, which is something mm-hmm. to consider. And also, Kevin, the, in the touchdown market i want to draw your attention to something else to see if you like it um you know how i talk about the steelers as a herd and how any one of them can kind of pop off whether it be juju whether it be deontay whether it be a guy you need to today i almost said tonight this afternoon and chase claypool but you also know when there's a good conglomerate i like the b-side talk to me how do you feel about eric ebron plus 220 to potentially get into the end zone that you know ebron is a touchdown getter big ben is starting to get more and more comfortable with the tight end in this offense i know there are so many weapons but you know my thought on the herd and you're just getting more value on ebron than you ever will with dio or chase claypool ebron plus 220 to get into the end zone also scored last time they played. I like it. I, I like it a lot. I-, I think when you can try and go further down the board, Dallas yep. got it the other night on Monday. RG3 and good. Eric Ebron are my guys. Yeah, big numbers. And you you only need to hit one of them, right? You play that, right. and maybe you play the Benny Snell number for a little bit more juice. You got three guys, and you can come out with a nice profitable night. I think Ooh, if, if I get RG3 and Eric Ebron, 
Ooh, it's plus oh, fifteen fifty-three. Yeah. Ooh. You could have you could have some fun. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you could have some fun with the same game parlay. The other thing I wanted to throw out to you, similarly when we talked about Monday Night Football Bucks Rams, we talked about Godwin, Evans, yeah. and A B and the receiving props, right? So here yeah. we are, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith Schuster, Chase Claypool. Pick a member of the herd. 59 and a half. Juju, 50 and a half. Claypool, 49 and a half. Yep. Why is Claypool the low man? That's a little, like, I know, well, Deontay's rightfully the high man. He's now just getting into the hundreds. I know Juju's had his games, but I would think Claypool would be a little bit higher than Juju Smith-Schuster unless the thought process is Marlon Humphrey, who already had COVID, so he's good to go. He's maybe immune. We don't even know how the virus works. But he should be out there. Maybe he's going to be on Claypool. Funny enough, though, I probably would take the high man in Deontay Johnson. Now, the caveat is he might leave the game injured because I think that's what happened the first time they played. But if Deontay Johnson plays a full game with what we've seen, he is the number one target getter on this team. Dio. Dio yes. I agree with you. Um, But the entire, like, last minute and a half of what you were saying is why the Pittsburgh Steelers are a fantasy herd. You know what I mean? And that's the exact part. And what are you going to do? You got to put their numbers pretty close. And can one of them get 137 yards today? Yeah. Can another one of them go wind up going two for 23? Yeah. But on any given week, any one of those guys and Ebron and Connor can be part of the mix. That's part of why it's frustrating for you as a better or fantasy manager. But it's part of what keeps the Pittsburgh Steelers undefeated so far this season. We will keep, we'll put a nice, neat little bow on this episode when we come back. I got questions for Kev about Christmas. When we come back, we'll see what traditions he values most right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line as we close out another episode of putting the fun in functional sports content. It was great to wish happy Thanksgiving to our guys, Joe Lisi, to Tom Bogart. I haven't talked to him for a while. And, Kev, it is the holiday season. The holiday season kind of officially begins for some New Yorkers, right, with the lighting of the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, which is the reason why NBC is carrying the game in the middle of the afternoon today. I got to ask you, uh, did you go see the tree? Um, at all? Like, do you ever make a trip to the windows and stuff like that, to the light shows, to see the tree? Um, or is a better part of your Christmas season traditions to watch five games in the NBA on Christmas Day? Because, you know, the schedule for those games also came out. What are you more excited about? I think I know. Yeah, I mean, it's not even close. Like, the NBA schedule got released. Uh, I am frothing at the mouth. Give me the whole schedule. I need to know when LaMelo gets going. I need to know when Trey Young's first game is. Who do the Lakers open the season with? The Mavs game, that's fun. Luka v. LeBron, all about it. Uh, I love that the lines are out for this already. If you want my quick take on the lines, and we can maybe expand on this tomorrow. we'll talk about the quick take on the lines. Get in the holiday spirit, Kev. Get in the holiday spirit. This is the holiday spirit. We go, this is what we do. This is what we 
would down two and a half, bit. though. Well, got time. No, it sure is. Holiday spirit is me at my grandma's table, right, having a first half bet on the Warriors Clippers game two years ago, and holding on steady that Kevin Durant will hit another three, and he hits the three, and we all erupt. And then my grandma, what's going on? Nothing, grandma. Just enjoying the game. It was a good shot. And you just keep it calm and steady. Now, this year, this will be in different places. We'll be here. Bad. I don't know. Social distance. But at the end of the day, I love it. I love the five Christmas Day games. And I will, in protest, not be watching Vikings, Saints. It'll be on a different TV. But I'm upset about Vikings, Saints finding their way onto my Christmas Day slate. Fair enough. Do me a favor. Whatever the right lean is, and for you, it's probably going to be the LeBron over rebounds, assists, and points. Make it Great a bet. bet. Give me the ticket and put it in my stocking. We should get an early line, you know, like Secret Santa action going. There you and go. You can get me LeBron James futures bets for the MVP. All right. That's what we need to do. Tomorrow, we'll react to this game. More NFL games to preview so much more. And we'll be here to talk about it as usual on the early line. Have a great day, everybody.